Hello, and welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by 4constructionpros.com and covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. My name is Becky Schultz, editor of Equipment Today, and in this episode, I spoke with Joe Pirro, Vice President, Corporate Director of Supply Chain Management at Gilbane Building Company. Joe shares his insights on the disruptions he's seen, and in some cases hasn't seen, in the supply of building materials as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. He also shares the changes he anticipates as a result of the lessons the industry is learning during this unique time. Let's dig in with Joe now. So Joe, to start off, can you share some background with me about Gilbane and its operation, just to give us a sense of who you are, and also tell us a little bit about your role within the organization. Sure, certainly. <laughs> so my role is relatively new. I'm about two years old, maybe just over here at Gilbane, and typically uh, in our industry, construction managers didn't really have a supply chain department per se. <clears throat> so it's been... Um, very gratifying to see my discipline start to take hold and take root in this industry and now get a seat at the table as far as strategic planning goes because it was only a few short years ago that uh, supply chain was really entrusted to our subcontractors who they sourced from, the manufacturers and so forth. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's really up to us to make sure that we deliver that project on time and on budget. And if we don't have visibility into what our business partners are doing, what their strategies might be, uh, ultimately it's us who's called on the carpet by the owner. So it's been uh, very uh, exciting to see supply chains start to come into uh, this piece of the industry anyway. Um, Typically, Uh, The way construction management firms are structured is they have operational procurement teams. Most of the materials, uh, as you probably know, are sourced and procured through their subcontracts, not from Gilbane directly, and that is still very true today. Um, So the way we're structured here is on projects for direct spend, uh, kind of the brick and mortar that goes into the project, might be glass, might be structural steel, might be furniture and equipment, and so forth, uh, those materials are typically purchased by our subcontracts, and we entrust those schedules and those prices to our subcontractors. Occasionally, Gilbane will have cause to buy those materials directly, but that's uh, somewhat infrequent. Okay. That said, as I, as I mentioned previously, we have no visibility into the strategies of each of the links in the chain, both up and down that chain, but it really is, uh, as a steward, I think, of the spend of our client, it's important that we know the strategies for each link in that chain. Uh, for example, a tariff uh, may come. What is a subcontractor going to do ahead of that tariff? Who are they sourcing from? Is that mill or that manufacturer? Or maybe that distributor, have they hedged inventory? Um, have they done a forward buy and so forth? That knowledge is very critical to us and uh, to make sure we deliver that project uh, on time and on budget. And what's happened over the last few years now is we're starting to bring some of that knowledge in-house so that we've got that visibility and those one-to-one relationships established with, with each link of the chain. So a long, long answer, I guess, to a, sh- a short question. But my role here at Gilbane is to ensure that we have that visibility, 
whether it's with the sub, whether it's with the distributor, whether it's with a manufacturer or a mill, that we've got one-to-one -one relationships and direct lines of communication with each link in that chain uh, so that we can deliver a lean project. Um, the second piece I think that's most important is leverage. Um, for example, uh, I got a call uh, maybe <clears throat> a year ago from a project manager who said our lead time for glass just went from eight weeks to 16 weeks virtually overnight. And wow. you can imagine the effect that that's going to have to a project. Absolutely. And that project sure. certainly is not going to be very happy about that. Well, if you leverage the collective spend, I think, of the enterprise with that glass manufacturer or perhaps another glass manufacturer, you can go ahead and ensure with that leverage that your uh, purchase orders or th th those of your subcontractors are receiving the right priority. So another piece of what we do uh, at Gilbane and Supply Chain is to make sure that we professionally leverage where possible so that our purchases are getting the attention that they deserve and that if there's any disruption uh, to that timeline or maybe to a price that we've got enough spend collectively to, to influence that to our favor and that of our clients. Okay, great. So, of course, because you're so intimately involved in a supply chain management, you, it, it, I assume that you have a pretty good grasp of what's happening with um, the materials going into the construction projects, both prior to the crisis and currently during the, the crisis. Can, can we maybe start off talking a little bit about where things stood prior to things starting to, to build in terms of the, the coronavirus um, becoming an issue in the industry? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, it's been, uh, as I said, gratifying to see supply chain get a seat at the table, but it's been very unfortunate, obviously, that it took a crisis like this to start to magnify, I guess, the importance of supply chain. Right. Um, so there's a new norm, and I think we're all trying to get our heads around what a new norm looks like, um, not only from supply chain, but just from project mobilization and health screening and PPE, and we're all learning about, you know, N95 masks, things that we really didn't have to know too much about. Right. Uh, we all know probably more now than we, we ever wanted to know. Um, but it's a great question because things are so fluid and changing daily, and it does magnify the need for this visibility. Good example is, uh, is imports. You know, we never really worry too much about tile coming from Italy or lighting coming from China or Mexico or glass maybe coming from uh, South America, whatever it might be, those lead times for the most part were fairly consistent. Um, but now this happens and we have some uh, plants that are shutting down. Some of that um, demand that might have been going to those plants is now redirected, say, to a domestic plant. Need to know how that domestic plant is going to respond. Will they be taking these orders? Uh, do they have the capacity to handle them? These were things that we always used to entrust to our subcontractor. And they've always done a very good job for us. And <clears throat> like some of the other big companies, we have a very rigorous uh, pre-qualification uh, process that these subs go through to make sure that they know what they're doing, that they have the right strategies in place, and that ultimately it rolls up into, as I said before, a lean project. Now, 
we need to make sure that we uh, kind of stick our noses into their business. Um, so it's a whole new layer, I think, uh, from just you know a few months ago to what supply chain in the industry looks like today. I need visibility to uh, terminals, to ports. Did, a CDC, did the CDC come in and shut down a port? Is it temporary? What happens with quarantined containers with that tile sitting in there or that lighting sitting in there? What happens to the motor freight or the rail freight, which is called drayage coming out of those ports? You know, it's a bit of a rock fight, unfortunately, fighting for the capacity on those trucks or those trains because it's not just my industry that's looking for that capacity. It's every industry that's fighting right. for the capacity. Right. Uh, there are drivers even to operate. Can people unload the vessels and so forth? So um, the change has just been uh, kind of like drinking water through a fire hose. Uh, it has been very, very rapid and, and just a difficult thing to manage each of the variables all at once. So um, what, I, what I've seen and I'm very encouraged by is um, some information sharing among competitors and peer groups um, so that we manage these resources responsibly. Can we identify projects that are going to accelerate or maybe you're going to keep those same timelines and are we able to maybe collaborate as a peer group within the industry to use those resources responsibly. You've got a project that's uh, urgent uh, and it requires uh, vessel capacity. Perhaps I can delay uh, some shipping on my side and we can go ahead and kind of collectively uh, you know, answer the bell depending upon urgency. So what I'm seeing here now is a nice collaboration and coming together of resources within our industry to make sure that all these resources are prioritized properly and used responsibly. Um, again, another long answer uh, to a short question, uh, but there is so much going on, I'd be lying if I told you I had all the answers, but um, I think uh, Gilbane is on the front end of these peer groups, uh, on the front end of trying to dial in and understand what the resource constraints might be, uh, which ports or terminals might be shutting down uh, which third-party logistics providers are able to ramp up and which are not. And uh, it's been really just a, uh, a very encouraging share of information within the industry. Jumping into specifically what's going on in the U.S. market, um, where do you see some of the biggest pain points currently in terms of supply? Um, are you seeing certain types of products that are being affected the most? So it's a great question. Ironically, no. Uh, domestically, uh, it's almost business as usual. Um, so we are uh, in communication with some of the critical um, commodity groups, I guess, like steel and glass, and uh, all of which are reporting status quo. Um, so we have we kind of look at things from green to yellow to red, and most of the domestic manufacturers and distributors um, are reporting no change whatsoever. So we don't anticipate any uh, real meaningful price or lead time um, fluctuations uh, whatsoever. Um, the only watch out I think would have domestically, as I had mentioned before, is when there are delays, 
say for lighting, um, uh, imported lighting or whatever the material might be, and that demand starts to redirect toward domestic manufacturers and distributors, what's that impact going to look like? Um, so a little bit of a watch out or a yellow light there. Um, and again, that's why it's so important to be sure we understand what these manufacturers are going to do strategically, what capacity those plants are running at. You know, do they have an extra 20, 30% that they can go ahead and accommodate this uh, additional demand? Are our purchase orders still at the top of the pile like they should be and so forth? Um, but really, I think at, uh, at the end of the day, there's not much of an impact domestically at all just yet. Okay. What about movement of materials? Um, I, one of the big issues that we keep hearing about are, is the restrictions that are placed on movement within certain areas and certainly within some states have closed their borders entirely. Are you seeing any disruptions taking place because of that? Uh, similarly, not really, um, okay. not yet. Uh, that's not to say that it's not coming. I think most of the local and or uh, regional distributors did a pretty good job getting ahead of those local restrictions or town restrictions by building up inventories. So what we've seen is kind of a um, little bit maybe of an increase in lead time on um, on some of the consumables, things like that, uh, the indirect materials, uh, but really nothing that's critical to that project. I think, as I said, those distributors just did a pretty good job of building inventories and readying uh, in preparation for, um, you know, any local restrictions that might be in place. Okay. Now, we've talked a lot about um, availability of materials. I, I guess the question I have still is, what are the, the potential um, problem areas? Um, are, I know that there are projects that rely very heavily on products that they can only get from overseas markets. Um, where do you see the biggest challenges um, currently and maybe continuing um, going forward for the foreseeable future right now? Yeah, uh, great question. So the biggest one is really um, an indirect um, material. It's the PPE, personal uh, protection equipment, uh, the masks, um, the sanitizing uh, wipes or um, hand sanitizers that are needed and that we need to make sure are on site at our job. So, you know, I think the biggest red light that we're seeing is, uh, is are those materials and how uh, the allocations are now going, obviously, where they're needed most to uh, uh, medical care professionals and uh, government agencies and those people on the front lines certainly need to have them uh, long before the rest of us. Um, but uh, that said, we do still need to make sure we have PPE on the jobs. We need to make sure we're doing uh, a good job uh, screening, temperature screening, all of those subs and guests who walk on a job site. Um, so I think the first issue there is the PPE. Um, there's no uh, easy answer here. We're doing the best we can. Um, our suppliers are, uh, they'll have it one day and then the next they'll be out. So we need to make sure that we're in queue and that we've got uh, a, a consistent flow of those PPE materials coming to our job sites. And I think we're doing a, uh, an adequate job there. It's not perfect. It's tough to get, as you've probably heard. Right. Um, but that's probably the first piece. 
as we start getting into uh, the direct materials. Uh, tile certainly has been a little bit of an issue, imported tile. Um, I mentioned lighting uh, from right. China has been a little bit of an issue. Uh, furniture is not much of an issue right now domestically, but the accoutrements that go with the furniture, the knobs, the handles, the casters, often are coming from China, um, and there can be delays there. Uh, as those containers are arriving, certainly there's going to be delays in port, maybe some quarantine issues, so uh, delays there as well. Um, really, the only red lights that we're seeing right now would be the PPE equipment and the tile. Uh, everything else coming in uh, in port is more of a yellow light, kind of a watch out. Okay, I'm, I'm actually a little surprised that um, items such as steel don't fall under there or even lumber, especially given the tariffs that were in place um, as of last year. Yeah, very uh, interestingly, if you were to go back and look at some of the pricing with the tariffs, I think you'd be surprised to see that those companies who decided to forward buy um, when the sky was falling actually took it on the chin somewhat. Um, really? We decided they sure did. Yeah, they sure did. Um, so pricing came way down. Um, in fact, domestic pricing in steel came way down below what that imported pricing was with the tariffs. So, um, you know, we've got to be very careful there. Uh, we're not economists, certainly, um, at Gilbane, but we do need to understand what's going to happen with that pricing. Uh, and again, that's where I go back to that communication and that visibility directly with the steel mills. So I don't want to say all of our steel is sourced uh, domestically. That's not true. But certainly there's a focus now on, um, on domestic sources uh, for okay. steel and for glass and for those critical materials. Sure. And, you know, that, that does kind of lead me to an, uh, the question about lessons that we've learned, um, not only from this particular crisis, but looking at what's happened in the last year or so, um, are there particular lessons you feel that could be learned from all of this in terms of how you manage the materials that are coming into your operations? Absolutely, and I think, uh, you know, the best example of that is these masks, these N95 masks, um, predominantly manufactured by um, one company. I think we look at our distributors and our supply chains, and, and virtually all of those preferred distributors sourced from that one company, and, and right. we all kind of put our eggs in one basket. And lo and behold, there are some constraints now on those materials as you know, and we're all trying to scramble. Uh, sure. So the biggest les lesson learned is making sure that you've diversified your supply base so that you've got leverage uh, with, within each commodity group. And if PPE were a commodity group and I'm only sourcing N95 masks from that, you know, you know, and I specified on one manufacturer, well, I certainly have no leverage in that game if uh, there's demand or run on those masks. I can't pivot. I really can't go in any, any other direction. So what we've tried to do is identify those critical commodity groups, maybe steel, maybe glass, maybe PPE, whatever it is, and be sure that we've got options within each um, and therefore leverage within each of those commodity groups. So if there is an issue, 
uh, and no one saw this issue coming, certainly, but uh, there could be pricing issues. There could be, uh, you know, a manufacturer might regulate its production to avoid price erosion, whatever the case might be. We've got to make sure that we've got options and therefore leverage. So what we try to do within each of those commodity groups is make sure that we've got the exact right amount of suppliers within each so that we, I don't want to say control the relationship, but we have options if our main supplier should decide to undertake some other strategy. We can go ahead and pivot, move to uh, the next supplier, and, and we've got leverage, and, and our, our suppliers are more compliant and adaptive to our asks rather than vice versa. Right. Now, I think a company like Gilbane obviously has a, a lot more leverage than many of the companies that are out there in the construction industry. Do you have any insights or recommendations for those that maybe do not have the same kind of leverage that uh, Gilbane does? Um, certainly. I think you need to manage spend. And I think that spend um, has to do with, I would start with the indirect materials, you know, even office supplies. You know, when we look at our lease agreements, our trailers at the job site, our security systems, the guard booths, the temporary fence, all these types of, uh, you know, spend or commodity groups, uh, there's, there's typically a lot of money on the table there. And it is a relatively safe way to start um, your journey toward responsible spend management. Um, that's where we started. I think okay. within the first few months, yeah, we started with office supplies. We made sure that we were leveraged properly with the right suppliers. We took a look at the commodity groups within office supplies, where the opportunities for savings might be, or maybe where they're not where we're looking for value add or, or different services maybe that a provider can give us. Uh, and then from there, we started to get to the more impactful types of commodity groups. Maybe we go to temp fence or trailers or hand wash stations and sanitary toilets and so forth. And then gradually, we started to build, build our strategy toward even the, uh, the more impactful commodity groups. So it's a, it's a journey. Um, we're two years into it now, and I think we've done a pretty good job so far of managing that spend. Um, and then the other piece to that is it's auditable. Um, I like to think that it's also saleable. I think we can go to a client and say, you know, Gil Bain is a steward of your spend to the uh, line item level, literally the paperclip. We can tell you what we're purchasing and why. And, you know, we're hoping that you'll see because we manage that spend so responsibly and, and in such detailed fashion that you can rest assured that your project is going to be delivered at the right price. That's a really interesting perspective. I would not have thought of it from that, that angle, but that does make sense. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of to, to wrap things up a little bit here, um, what do you think are still some of the, the potential challenges that lie ahead for um, the supply chain um, segment of the construction industry um, at, at this point? And where do you think uh, things are, do you have any insight on how things are going to be shaking out here in the future? I know no one has a crystal ball, but do you have any thoughts on what we might be expecting um, yet here in 2020? 
Well, I do have some thoughts. It's not going to happen in 2020, but there's, okay. um, I think the issue here is system integration and, you know, info integration, if you will. So, you know, if I order a, uh, I don't know, pardon me, a container full of tile from Italy and it's on a boat or it's in the air, you know, do I have visibility into when it's going to land at port uh, and when it's going to go from that port to uh, a laydown area or a terminal or a warehouse or distribution network and so forth. So really what I envision, um, not just in this industry but everywhere, is more of a an end-to-end uh, repository of this information. Um, I think the world is starting to move toward that. You might have heard uh, of something called blockchain. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's witchcraft, sorcery, or science right now, <laughs> but the way, the way they talk about it, sounds like it or something like that is going to be the answer. So I think the challenge here is is how do we get all stakeholders and business partners to participate in sharing of that information, you know, uh, a sales order, uh, a purchase order from you might be a sales order to me and then I have to place another purchase order and so forth. If you think of the supply chain as actually links on the chain, we've got to get all those links to play nicely together. Um, and how do we do that? while still differentiating ourselves competitively, you know, maybe I don't want to share some of this information because I'm better at it than you, and, and why would I do that from a business uh, standpoint? And that's valid. Um, I think we're moving in the direction, but to answer your question, um, it's, it's the, the piece that I'm most excited about, but I also understand it's probably the biggest challenge in supply chain, and it's that real-time info share. Yeah, absolutely. I can absolutely see where you're going with that. Um, I think there are definitely challenges to overcome, but opportunities there too. Right. Right. Well, well, I think that you've given us a lot of really great insight. Um, and I, I appreciate you sharing them with us today, Joe. Um, if there, is there anything else that you feel is important to, to include in that, um, that, information or that, that might help uh, to help propel the industry moving forward, I, I guess I should say. Yeah, I guess I'll just close with uh, preparation for when the light goes green again. Um, I think it's going to probably be a mad scramble to remobilize, restart, um, and I think um, that's a little bit of a concern. So I think now more than ever, it's important for our industry to come together where we can uh, responsibly and start discussing how we remote, how we uh, how we get a plan in place so that we can all get back to some semblance of normalcy here, um, you know, as whole and as healthy as possible. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, I really appreciate you spending time with us today, uh, Joe, and uh, I think that this has been very insightful. So thank you very much, and uh, I appreciate your time. Well, that's it for this edition of Digging Deeper. Thank you to Joe Pirro with Gilbane Building Company for taking the time to talk with us today. Tune in every Monday for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4constructionpros.com. You keep listening, we'll keep digging. Until next time.